the female needs to see the boar sound, the female needs to hear the boar, and they need to smell him as well. So it's those pheromones that are very active. And then uh, one of the components that's often missed is uh, physical contact. Those four things are very important components to boar exposure. Welcome to Inside the Helix, a podcast presentation from DNA Genetics. Throughout this series, we focus on all things that matter to the pork industry. You'll hear from our award-winning team of geneticists, veterinarians, animal care providers, nutritionists, and other industry-leading experts. We'll explore pig production from genetic improvement all the way to meat quality. Listen along as we take a deep dive inside the DNA Helix. Boar exposure is an effective tool for sow farm managers to optimize reproductive performance on both gilts and sows. And this is our topic today. I'm Curtis Harms, your host for Inside the Helix. My guest today is Dr. Steve Trelau. Steve Trelau is the reproductive physiologist here with DNA Genetics. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Curtis, for having me. Before I ever get started, I always question the guests about their background, you know, just to develop that credibility and make sure people know that you know what you're talking about. So let's start by talking about your background a little bit. Where are you from? I grew up on a small farm in central Iowa. In central Iowa. And so did you go to school in Iowa too, or did you travel around? I did uh, my undergraduate degree at Iowa State University and my graduate degrees at the University of Missouri in uh, Columbia, Missouri. Very good. So how does one become a reproductive physiologist? Oh, good question. Is this something that you always had a passion for? Or is this something that you took a few classes and then realized, you know, this is really interesting subject matter? I took a few classes and realized it was an interesting subject matter. It was uh, in an animal science class at Iowa State University that they talked about splitting pig embryos and uh, immediately saw the value of reproductive physiology and the management of embryos, embryo transfer, and things like that for the purpose of genetic leverage, and uh, that uh, sparked my interest. Now, was it always on the swine side, or were you ever interested in in the physiology of, of other livestock as well? Uh, the main interest is with pigs. Oh, over time, I did become interested in other species, but wherever I was working at the time always had uh, more things for me to do in pigs, so it always came back to pigs and has been exclusively pigs. And so then your master's and your PhD, both at, at the University of Missouri in reproductive physiology. Yes. So how long have you been with DNA Genetics now? I've been with them about three and a half years now. And, and, and we were talking before the interview, and some of your graduate work was focused in cloning. Tell me a little bit about that. So my master's degree focused on uh, pretty much a very practical type of degree, and my uh, PhD program was more... Um, bench science type related with cloning. So at that point in time, uh, cloning in pigs had been done, but was not uh, highly successful. So we were trying to understand how to make it more successful and a lot more efficient. So I was able to participate in that and uh, had a really good time doing that. Absolutely. So let's get to the topic at hand now. We're talking about boar exposure. What exactly is boar exposure and why is it important? Boar exposure is the process of exposing breeding-eligible females to boars to stimulate and identify estrus activity in those. There's uh, essentially four basic components to boar exposure that are important for our discussion today. Sight, the female needs to see the boar. Sound, the female needs to hear the boar. And they need to smell him as well. So it's those pheromones that are very active. 
And then uh, one of the components that's often missed is uh, physical contact. Boars and gilts and sows having that physical contact. Those four things are very important components to uh, boar exposure. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that overall purpose, or what is it that, that we're really trying to accomplish with boar exposure? So there's three things that we're really looking to accomplish with uh, boar exposure. The first one is to stimulate or induce the pubertal or first estrocycling gilts. These gilts are typically known in our industry or referred to today as heat no service gilts or HNS gilts. So we're looking to induce that puberty, that pubertal estrus, so that we can breed them on a second estrus, which we know is more efficient for production. The second one is to stimulate the resumption of estrus activity in weaned sows. So weaned sows need to be stimulated and need to come back into heat so that they can uh, be bred for another litter. And the third one really is we use boar exposure to detect estrus to find standing heat in gilts and sows so that we can breed, which is the ultimate goal of the sow farm. Yeah, absolutely. So then a question for you. So what really is the difference between stimulating the estrus cycle and then detecting estrus? It's a good question. So sometimes they can be, uh, the, the lines between the two can be somewhat gray. However, stimulating is related to inducing estrus activity or, or starting the estrus cycle. So we're, we're looking to start the estrus cycle in gilts and we're looking to start the estrus cycle again in sows. Whereas estrus detection is we're looking to find that sow or gilt that's in heat that we have stimulated into an estrus cycle. That's really the difference and I think it's important that we know those differences because stimulation usually takes anywhere from 20 minutes to a couple hours, whereas estrus detection is a very short two to five minute process where we say yes or no, a gilt or a sow is in heat. So why should we boar expose pre-pubertal gilts? Good question. First, a boar exposure plan should be an essential part of any gilt development plan. However, the why is a really good question because a good boar exposure plan requires valuable space and labor inputs. So a few reasons why. We want to breed uh, gilts on a second to fourth estrus cycle. There's a plethora of data that has been generated over time showing that the modern commercial female, that, that gilts are inseminated at a minimum of a second estrus cycle, have improved total born of approximately one and a half pigs per litter and an improved uh, farrowing rate of about 10%. Uh, the, the second reason is by using a boar exposure program to stimulate early puberty in gilts, we breed these gilts at a targeted uh, weight of 300 to 330 pounds rather than much heavier for the most part. And these uh, lighter gilts, uh, it helps uh, keep their mature body weight under control, which minimizes feed costs on a sow farm. It's been shown to improve sow longevity and it minimizes piglet loss and farrowing if these uh, sows are a bit smaller. So in summary, boar exposure pre to gilts results in a higher lifetime productivity and therefore provides the return needed for the space and labor that this requires. I feel like that's one of those tongue twisters, Steve. I don't know if I can say that three times in a row. Pre-pubertal, pre-pubertal, pre-pubertal. That's, that's <laughs> tough. It's tough. It doesn't roll off the tongue very easily. It doesn't, no. <laughs> so we, we talked about the what. We talked about the why. Now let's talk about the how. How can we bore expose gilts? Because I, I, I assume there's several methods to do this. 
Yeah, there's there's kind of four basic methods that I've noticed over my career that the industry uses. You can bring gilts to boars. You can bring boars to gilts. You can bring boars to gilts in a fence line manner. Or you can use V-boars that are housed with gilts, either for an extended period of time or for an interrupted period of time. Yeah, let's dive into some of those those four methods, because I think that's really the, ultimately the most important part is really understanding how to do this. So let's start with bringing gilts to boars. What are some of the basics that, that producers should know? Okay, bringing gilts to boars is that the literature clearly tells us that this is the best method or it's a superior method to optimize the number of second cycle gilts that you get in a specific period of time. Dr. Don Levis has adapted this concept and methodology to our modern facilities, and he calls it a bear system or a bore exposure area system, and it's uh, quite effective. However, the challenge it has that requires a fair amount of space and a fair amount of time, so it has had limited acceptance in the industry, but where it has been adapted, it has worked very effectively. In, in short, um, this method brings gilts to a pin with a bank of stalled bores on one side of the pin. Gilts are essentially allowed to interact with the bore in stalls for about five minutes for estrus dejection. And then the gilts that are found in heat are moved to an adjacent pin, so they're removed from that pin. And after the uh, gilts and heat are removed from the pin, then one or two bores are let out into that pin for another 10 to 15 minutes for that stimulation direct or exposure. Bringing gilts daily to this pheromone-rich housing area of the bores is likely what makes this system so successful and why it, it has an advantage over the other systems. Yeah, you, you did mention that it is labor-intensive, though. So let's look at maybe some of those others, um, bores to gilts and pens for direct contact. Is this, this one may not be as effective, but is this one a, a, a good option? This is a good option and the one that's probably used the most in the industry. One person really is essentially for four to five pins. Bores are put in pins of gilts that can be in any number of gilts in a pin, but from 10 to 20 minutes per pin, typically we target one, one bore to 12 gilts. That has been shown to be effective. You don't want to go more than that, but you need to have at least one per 12, one per 10 is, is good as well. Gilts in heat are identified for later removal. In this method of bore exposure, estrus detection and estrus cycle stimulation are often accomplished at the same time. A majority of the estrus detection occurs within the first five minutes. So that's a little bit redundant. An adaptation of this method is to first run bore's fence line to identify gilts in heat in the pen. So we may run the bores down the alleyway just to find those gilts that are in heat because they'll typically come up to the fence and they'll stand and you'll be able to identify the, the ones that are easily found. So these gilts can then be removed before the bores are introduced in the pen so that the bores focus on stimulation of non-cyclic gilts when they go into the pen. So that's often a very effective adaptation to this. But again, it takes a little bit of uh, labor and time to do that. One of the challenges here is keeping bores out of the feeders. So when you put bores into pens with gilts that are on full feed, those bores go for the feeders pretty quickly. So it's pretty important to make sure the bores are fed. And then it's still a challenge to keep them out of the feeders. So sometimes there are bores that just need to be culled because 
they they can't do anything else but eat. So keep an eye out for that. Boars train well to moving in and out of pens, so that's typically not a problem. Some boars are only effective for two to three pens worth of effort, and so you need to be paying attention to boars that go into fatigue and pull them out and bring fresh ones in. It's just moving a boar from one pen to the other so he goes and lays down isn't accomplishing the goals that you're looking to uh, do here. But this is a very effective method and probably the one that's used maybe the most in the industry. Okay, so we've looked at bringing gilts to boars. We've looked at boars to gilts and pens. That third method is bringing the boars to gilts at the fence line. Let's, let's talk about this method. What does this all entail? Okay. This is also a, a method that's um, well used in the industry as well today. So this method can work reasonably well if the gilts are stalled. However, the problem with this one is you lose the physical contact that is provided in the pen. And that physical contact has been shown to be a very effective tool in inducing or, or stimulating puberty. So that's lost. So it takes a little bit more time to get to your goals. This, this method of force to gilts in the fence line is much less effective for gilts and pins. So not all the gilts get exposed in, in a fence line manner if you have gilts and pins. So unless you have a pin where all the gilts can line up on the fence line, which is rarely the case. So another challenge to this one is feed in the alleyways. Um, you've got to have uh, clean alleyways. Sure. Otherwise, the boars just focus on eating rather than on making sure they're making contact with the gilts. Yeah, and so that last process is using vasectomized boars housed with the gilts. Explain this process. Yeah, this one's um, an interesting one and I think can be very effective. So essentially, we use vasectomized boars and house those with gilts. And so we don't have the labor component of having someone in and out of those pens and heat checking and making sure boars don't breed gilts and things like that. So one of the options there is called, a, I call a continuous option, where boars are brought in at, let's say, 23 weeks of age, and they're just left in there uh, for uh, five, six weeks or something like that, and then they're pulled out a week before breeding begins. The problem with this one is some gilts can become habituated to the boars, and so you're probably breeding a few more first cycle gilts when breeding comes around, but you do get some advantage from this. The second one, I what I call the interrupted option, is maybe a little better and maybe a little more effective requires just a bit more labor but not that much and it involves just bringing in a different mix of boars each day and leaving those bee boars in that pen for uh, several hours even up to a half a day and then removing them and then repeating that process each day. The only downside to this one is you don't have the recycled or you don't have the cycle dates you don't have the recycle dates to know when to expect to breed or how to schedule breeding as well. So the, the other problem is you don't have the opportunity to re, remove poor responders, uh, but typically producers breed all their gilts anyway. So not a huge downside. All in all, I think this is a very effective strategy and I think a very uh, smart one for uh, minimizing labor mm -hmm. and space needs. So then Steve, what is the best age to really begin boar exposure? Is there a certain age that, that works best? So yeah, different Genotypes need to have different ages. At DNA, we recommend 
that our land race begin at 28 weeks, our Yorkshire, we begin at 26 weeks, and these are pure lines, and so they start a little bit later since they're a little later maturing. However, our F1 uh, DNA 241 female, we recommend starting at 23 weeks or at approximately 265 days of age. Now, is there any impact or any reason to worry if we're starting too young? Can we start too young? Um, you can start too young. If you start too young, it just spreads out the time that you accomplish the goal of the number of gilts that you're looking to get uh, a second heat. The older you start, the more that are, are ready to start and will respond to your bore stimulation quickly. Those gilts that are younger and are a little lo- later maturing, sometimes they will habituate to the bore and therefore delay their onset of puberty. So it can be detrimental from that perspective. So why should we still continue to use bore exposure on our weaned sows? Good question. And it's, it's a question that's debated in the industry today even. I think the, the, the main reason that I've come to recommend it is using large data sets. I've been able to show that sows with a weaned estrus interval of 72 to 96 hours has the highest total born and farrowing rate. So we're looking to optimize sows that come into heat in that 72 to 96 hour window. And it's been clearly shown that sows that come in heat after that have lower total born, lower farrowing rates. And so we want to optimize um, our total born and farrowing rate. We've also been able to show that bore exposure beginning on the day of weaning helps facilitate that earlier response to um, or, or that earlier weaned asterisk interval. And so we're looking to improve that so we can improve productivity on our farms. Mm-hmm. Now you talked about the, the why. What about the how? Is this a different process then or, or is there a different strategy for our weaned sows? Slightly different because sows are typically in, in stalls when we wean them, whereas gilts are typically in pens that we're looking to work with. It's recommended that bore exposure be done on our wean sows immediately after you're done with estrus detection. Because typically your wean sows are in your breeding area and you, you want to do your, breed, your heat detection for breeding and maybe even accomplish breeding before you do the stimulation of your wean sows. So, so the best way is to run a team of boars in front of the wean sows for a minimum of 20 minutes per day. Typically, it doesn't last much longer than that because typically in 20 minutes, boars are starting to lay down, sows are starting to lay down, and uh, everybody's kind of out of the, they're, they're kind of used to everybody and they're out of, the, out of the mood. So one of the things I have noticed that farms that have adopted this, they will go through the breeding process and they will pull all the boars back into pens and then they'll come out an hour later after breeding and everything is done then they'll put the boars back out there then everybody gets up and everybody is kind of interested again and they've had a chance to digest food get a drink of water and so now everything's new again and that that's been very effective so boars pay attention to sows sows pay attention to boars dr trelau steve if i may (laughs) so far we've talked mostly about exposure for stimulating the ester cycle, which is what boars are used used for the most. But I also imagine there's an importance in finding those breed eligible females. Let's let's talk about this. Yeah, so we've spent a fair amount of time 
talking about stimulation of gilts and sows to stimulate the ester cycle. It's also important to, and equally important to recognize that after we stimulated these sows to uh, have an ester cycle that's reoccurring, that we find the estrus, E-S-T-R-U-S, within that cycle. And so we want to feed boars before we start that process of detecting estrus. We want the boar to be focused on the sow and not on the feed. So we want to make sure that there's no feed on the floor in front of sows or gilts because they'll typically focus on the feed first. Uh, we want to use boars that are actively looking for sows or gilts in heat that initiate nose-to-nose contact and spend time with individual sows. You, you as, a, as a manager, you also want to be looking for that contrasting boar that is always looking for feed, uh, never makes contact with a gilt or a sow, um, walks to the end of the alley and lays down, just has no interest in any part of the process here. So I would encourage managers to take a look at their boars occasionally and make sure that they're really accomplishing what they want them to do or what they're intended to do. And if they're not, to uh, remove them and uh, get better boars in. Steve, this is a little bit unrelated to our conversation today of boar exposure, but as a, as a communicator, as a, a, a journalist, one debate that I've constantly had running through my head over the last several years, and you may be able to answer this question, and you alluded to it a bit, is the difference between estrus, E-S-T-R-U-S, and estrus, E-S-T-R-O-U-S. What's the difference there? Like, wh- which, when should I use which? <laughs> Estrus is a noun. Yeah. And it's used to describe the receptivity of the female to the male. And the, estrus, the, is that's R-U-S. R-U-S. Okay. Yeah. R-U-S is a noun, and it's used to describe the receptivity of the female to the male. So it's uh, the female showing the lordosis response, if you will. They're ready for breeding. The E-S-T-R-O-U-S is an adjective and it's used to as an adjective to the noun cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an estrous cycle is how we really need to look at it. And that's the um, physiological events, including the hormones and everything else that go into creating in the pig anyway, a 21 day cycle uh, that starts and ends with uh, typically estrous. So an estrous cycle is composed of, E-S-T-R-U-S, the standing uh, portion or the heat part of that estrus. And then the next part of it is what they call metastrus, and then, which is a few days, which is just after estrus. And then there's this long period where progesterone dominates, and that's what they call diestrus. Sure. And then uh, the cycle repeats itself again. Well, sorry to get off track there, but my communication sure. efforts are going to get so much better from here on out, Steve. So I appreciate getting off track here just a little bit. But back to boar exposure, any final tips or anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up today? Yeah, there's a couple uh, or just a bunch of little things I think that are good to uh, remind ourselves of occasionally. Uh, one is the characteristics of a good uh, boar exposure boar. They really need to be high libido. They need to be aggressive, but not overly aggressive. Essentially, they've got to be manageable. Uh, they must uh, champ or talk or, you know, have focus on the female. Uh, they need to produce froth that contains the hormones that really the gilts and sows respond to. They need to interact well with other boars if you're using them as a team. So you can't have one dominant boar there that 
keeps the other ones from being participatory in the process too. One thing I don't think we mentioned is what, what age should our boars be? Yeah, that's, that's always a good question. So if we're talking about the English breeds, we want to use the older mature boars for gilts that are, they're, they're the best stimulators. So the English breeds such as um, York, Hamp, Duroc, Landrace, Large White, um, they, they need to be at a minimum of 10 months, and it would be better if they were 12 months. And so those of you getting uh, breeding projects and you get a load of gilts and you get boars with them, typically the boars are the same age, you're going to struggle with boar exposure effectiveness. So you want that older boar on those, those younger gilts. Younger boars uh, can be used, but they're not, they're not nearly as effective, especially for stimulating puberty and gilts or for the resumption of ester cycles and wean sows. Now is, older boars are better. Is there a best breed to use? I wouldn't say there's a best breed. There's some that um, are adapted maybe a little bit better for the situations at hand in our modern facilities. The Michon has been very popular due to its smaller size and early maturity. They also work very well for running together as teams. Um, the, the English breeds can certainly work and, and be just as effective. They just require a little bit different management and sometimes are not as effective in teams, I've noticed, as the Michon is. I imagine producers really need to kind of have a constant boar replacement plan in place, too, just, just to keep those, those boars fresh. Absolutely, they do, because as we talked about earlier, we need to identify boars that are just not accomplishing what we want to, and so there needs to be, a, I think, a very managed and regular plan of replacement rather than an as-needed replacement. Uh, I've seen many of them get into the as-needed, and you don't know you need boars until it's too late, and then you're down until the next truck comes, and then sometimes they're young and they're not old enough, so... Pretty soon, you're three to six months into this before you really got good boars again. Make a regular replacement plan and stick to it. Yeah, so maybe my final question today then has to do with the management of the boars. Where really should we house these, and are there any specific management practices that we should keep in mind as we're, we're working through this process? Yeah, so we've talked a lot about boars stimulating females. And so you want to control when those females are stimulated. So we want to keep these boars at the fan end of the building to keep their odor going out of the barn and uh, their, their sound to be, be pulled out of the barn by the fans and things like that. So that when you bring the boar to the gilts or the sows, they're accomplishing what you want them to rather than at, at times when you're not there to observe heats or help with the stimu stimulation process. So, yeah, how's them at the... Uh, fan into the building, away from your gilts, away from your wean sows, and definitely downwind from your breeding pool. Any feeding tips that you want to provide? Yeah, I think feeding of boars is, is always a question, too, that comes up. We need to limit feed those boars. Uh, definitely not full feed them. Those that, you know, where there is only one option to full feed, you're going to have a higher replacement rate, and you're going to have lazier boars. So uh, keep them lean. Don't let them get fat and lazy. Uh, typically feed them before you work them so they've got the energy to do what they need to do. Um, clean your alleys so they pay attention to gilts and sows. Uh, get, get the feed out of the alleys. They're good at finding all the crumbs and paying attention to them. Teams of boars are very effective. They can be housed together 
either in pens. The best strategy, I think, is really to house them in, in stalls and then let them out together. As, as a team, they seem to get along really well there. Culling boards, I think, is another one that isn't done maybe quite as often as it probably should be. Make sure we're getting rid of those boards, as we talked about, that are not active, but especially those that are aggressive to employees and other boards. All right. Once again, my guest today is Dr. Steve Chalau, who's a reproductive physiologist with DNA Genetics, and we're appreciative of his time today for discussing bore exposure. On the next episode of Inside the Helix, we're going to answer the question, what is the right wean age for my farm with Brady McNeil. Brady is our technical services multiplication lead with DNA Genetics. Until next time, I'm Curtis Harms with Inside the Helix. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Helix, presented by DNA Genetics. Inside the Helix is released every other Tuesday and is focused on what matters to the swine industry. To catch up on previous episodes, visit us online at dnaswinegenetics.com or find us at your favorite podcast streaming platforms. You can also keep up with DNA Genetics throughout the year by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For Inside the Helix, I'm Curtis Harms. Thank you.